My name is Rusty. And I, I am a Christmasaholic. I confess it. I start playing Kenny G's greatest Christmas hits early October. I, I'd, I'd play it earlier if my wife would let me. But I just love everything about Christmas. I really do. I love the tree, the way it looks, the way it smells. I love the decorations, and I love all the lights, and I love um, gifts, presents, although unlike Selah, I love the getting more than the giving, to be honest. Um, I love candy canes. I love eggnog a lot. I always have to loosen my belt after the month. Too much eggnog and baking. and um, I love the stockings hanging off of the mantle by the fireplace and the, the Christmas music. I love the carols. I love the Christmas movies. I've already watched Home Alone 1 and I'm going to watch Home Alone 2. We've watched Elf already this year, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's my favorite. So I don't know if that makes me a bad pastor or a bad person, but I just love it. Anyway, so, so maybe you love Christmas too. Um, now, I find it really easy to get wrapped up in all of that fluff, in all the trappings that come with this season. And I find it easy to kind of miss the point, um, miss the reason that we have such cause to celebrate. And why do we have such cause to celebrate? It's because a Savior has been born to us, right? I mean, the good news that God loved us so much that he sent his Son into the world to save us from our sins, to make a way to enter into a relationship with God and have peace with him and have eternal life with him. And, and this is what we celebrate at this time of year, that a Savior has been born to us. And you probably know the story well. And you would have seen it on display at Live Nativity there yesterday, if you were at Boonstra Farms, um, all those characters dressed up in costume, uh, which really is actually a combination of two tellings of the same story, right? Matthew's telling and Luke's telling. In Matthew's telling of the Christmas story, at the beginning of his gospel, he focuses on the, the, uh, Joseph and the wise men, but Luke chooses to focus on the shepherds and Mary, and when you combine all those characters, you get this incredible story. And one, things I, one of the things I love about the Christmas story is all these rich characters. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to go through a series I'm calling Christmas Character, where we're going to look at a few of the characters uh, in the Christmas story, specifically how they responded to the coming of Jesus into the world, and, and just explore what it means for us to properly respond to the coming of Jesus, what it looks like for us to live with Christmas character. So this morning we're going to look at, any guesses? Mary. We're going to look at Mary this morning. And I know some of you are already thinking, oh no, like I've, had, I've heard 45 sermons on Mary over my life. I guess I'll just sit here. I don't want to be rude and walk out. Um, my hope is, and I believe that maybe there's some deeper insight for you this morning. We're going to look specifically at one verse that we have in the traditional telling of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. Uh, it was the verse that was highlighted in yellow there, Luke chapter 2 verse 19, which says this, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I just want to talk about that verse, okay? Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What did she treasure? Well, she had just heard some incredible things, 
she had heard that the son that had been born to her was as the angels came and, and, and told her what they had heard from the angels that this child was a savior that had been born. He was Christ, the Messiah, the promised one who was going to save God's people. He was the Lord. And so she heard these incredible things. And, and so these are the things that she was treasuring and she was pondering. She was thinking carefully about these things that she had heard and what that meant for her. And so this is what Luke tells us Mary was doing. So that's all that verse means. So let's pray and close. All right. Now you wish. You wish. You know what? I look at that verse and I go, why Luke? Why put it in there? You had been talking about the shepherds and, and then you just insert this verse, a statement about Mary, and then you start talking about the shepherds again, and it almost seems like Luke is putting this in as a little aside, a little side note. Oh, and by the way, this is how Mary was responding to all this. She was treasuring up these things in her heart. She was pondering on them. Uh, we quickly go over that as just a little side note. In fact, um, I, I, I googled Mary pondering. I could hardly find any pictures. I found one. I mean, you, you, can, you can Google any other aspect of the Christmas story and find thousands of artistic renditions of that, of that part of the story. Not so much with Mary pondering. It seems not maybe as significant. But yet Luke found it important to add this little detail in the story before he moves on. Why? Why? If we just stop there at the end of Luke chapter 2 where we normally stop in the story, uh, where most people stop, then we won't know the answer to the question, why? Too often we're like people that just read the first chapter of a book and we close and go, well, that was a good story. And you would say, no, 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 that was the first chapter. You've got to read the rest of the story. You know, Luke's telling a story. And like any author, he's introducing some themes at the beginning that he's going to develop as he continues telling this story. And so it is here I think. I think what Luke is doing in this short little statement is he's setting the stage for what, for what he's going to say. He's setting the scene for another story, interestingly about another Mary. And I think this is purposeful. In fact, Luke is going to share with us in Luke chapter 10 a story that only Luke shares. None of the other gospel writers record this story, but Luke, for some reason, also included this story in Luke chapter 10 about another Mary. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 10, you're welcome to. This is where we're going to settle for a few minutes. I'll also have the words up on the screen. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now that's, to you that, that doesn't seem strange, but, but in this day and age, that was very peculiar. A woman sitting at the feet of a rabbi. Women didn't do that. This is what men did. It was not a place for women. This is, this is very unique. Mar here's Mary sitting at the feet under the teaching of Jesus, the teacher, the rabbi. But Martha, her sister, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus answered. Now, if you're here last week, you might remember when Jesus repeats the word twice, it means 
Listen up, I have an important truth to tell you, okay? Martha, Martha, the Lord answers, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, a lot of people, they come to this story, and and they think that the point of this story is that Jesus is giving women a place that they wouldn't have normally had in that culture, which is true. I mean, the place for women was in the kitchen. Any amens, boys? (laughs) I saw all the men glance at their wives like this. All right, listen, Martha is where she was supposed to be in that culture. She was doing what culture and custom would have dictated she would do. I mean, you have to empathize with the woman. Here this man comes with, you know, uh, uh, probably another, at least another 12 guys, just shows up unannounced and is gonna use the living room for a a conference. And now she's gotta go in the kitchen. She's gotta find some food to put together to serve them. And um, uh, so she's doing what she ought to have been doing in that time and place. And Mary, though, her sister, broke with convention. Like I said, she was where she ought not to be. She was sitting at Jesus' feet. And so some people look at the story and they're saying, ah, this is Jesus tearing down that gender wall. And yeah, that's part of it. That's an important part of what's happening here. But something greater is happening here. Okay? Because of a few words, and I've highlighted in yellow the word distracted. You might expect, if that's what was happening, that we would be told that Mary was busy preparing stuff in the kitchen. But what does it say? It doesn't say Mary was busy. Luke says, sorry, thank you, thank you. Sometimes people are too kind and I'd go on like that for five minutes. <laughs> Martha, okay. Martha was in the kitchen. It doesn't say Martha was busy. It says Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted, okay. What this story is, is it's comparing for us and comparing these two women, it's comparing two ways of living. Comparing discipled living versus distracted living. We see this in Jesus' address to Martha when she complains about what Mary's doing. Jesus says, Martha, few things are needed. Really, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, this is a story about Choices, first and foremost, they each had a choice to make. Uh, You have choices to make. We all make choices all of the time because we have limited resources of time, we have limited resources of energy, we have limited resources of money, and because of all of that, we got to make choices. And most of the choices we make aren't choices between good things and bad things. Sometimes we got to choose that. But most of us don't wake up in the morning and we look at our day and we go, hmm, am I going to visit mom in the nursing home or am I going to go rob a bank? Ah, what am I going to do today? The choice, it's so hard. No. Uh, no, it, most of the choices we make are between what is good and what is better. What is good and what is best. And that's what we see in this story. This is a story about Priorities proper priorities. And we find in this story 
that Mary made a better choice. We're going to discover what her choice was, but whatever it was, Jesus says it's a better choice. Jesus says there's only one thing you need. There's really only ultimately one choice that's the most important. What does he mean when he says few things are needed, actually only one? Mary has chosen what is better. What does he mean by that? Uh, I, some of you know I have an awful memory, but for some reason this story ha- has just st- stuck with me ever since I heard it on uh, CBC Radio 1, the gardening program. And um, don't judge me. Neil, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me, Evan. I'm not much of a gardener. Anyway, I, but I was listening to the gardening show. It was on the radio in the car. And, and he shared an interesting um, truth that, that stuck with me. He was talking about how you transplant a plant. You know, you go to the greenhouse, you buy a plant and a carton. And you come home and you have to take it out of the carton and you have to put it in the ground. And, he, and, and this gardening expert said, most people do this the wrong way. Right? What, what most people do, he said, is they come and, and they look at the plant and what they do is they figure, well, the stem is the strongest part of the plant. And so they take their thumb and their other finger and they, they, they grab and they squeeze the stem, put pressure on it to pull it out of the carton and put it in the ground. And he says, don't do that. Okay? Don't make that mistake. He said, instead of squeezing the stem, you need to pull the leaves. And he said, most people don't want to do that because what happens when you pull the leaves? Well, leaves are in a start, they'll, they'll, they'll break off. And so most people grab the stem. But he said, that's okay. He said, don't grab the stem. Always transplant a plant by pulling on the leaves. Because he says, if the leaves come off, that's okay. The leaves will grow back. But he said, if you squeeze that stem too hard and damage the stem, you will kill the plant. And you will get no more leaves. Why? Because the stem is the thing through which all life flows to all the other parts of the leaf. He says, guard the stem. Don't squeeze the stem or you'll starve the plant. All right, so gardeners, you can think of that come next, next spring when you're doing this here. But that story came back to me as I was looking at this text when Jesus says, only one thing is necessary. He's saying there's a stem in your life. There's a stem in your life you ought not to squeeze. And what is that stem? It's what Mary chose. And Martha didn't. What Mary chose was fellowship with Jesus. She sat at Jesus' feet instead of being in the kitchen doing what others thought she maybe ought to have been doing. When it says that she sat at Jesus' feet, that's not like, oh, it's like some groupy fan fawning over a rock star. No, that was the language of a student and teacher. She was there to get to know the teacher, to learn from the life of a teacher, right? That's what it meant to sit, sit at the feet. So Mary chose fellowship with God, fellowship with Christ over the task that Martha chose in the kitchen. And so I think Jesus is saying, when he says only one thing is necessary, he's saying, I am the stem. I am that thing, that relationship you have through which all life flows that feeds and serves the health of every other part of your life. 
I am the stem. And he says to Martha, he says, don't squeeze me. If you need to pull on something, pull on the leaves, but don't squeeze the stem. Everything else is leaves. Everything else can grow back if the stem is intact, if life flows through the stem. Does that make total sense? Maybe not, but Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. It's one of those passages you only hear at weddings. And, and it wasn't actually a marriage text, but it works well with marriage, but it works well with life in general. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12. Um, one, one person is easily overpowered. Two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Okay. What that passage means is two people, the third the third strand being woven in this cord which gives it its strength is God. He said, if God is wo woven into that cord, into that relation, whatever that is, it gives it exponential strength. And so we quote that in the context of marriage as to say, listen, if you are fellowshipping with Jesus or if you are sitting at Jesus' feet in your life making that a priority, it will serve the strength of your marriage. You want, you want a strong marriage? Okay. Put Jesus at the center of your life. Prioritize marriage. You, 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 want, you want to have a strong relationship with your kids and raise your kids well? Make it a priority to fellowship with Jesus. Focus on that one thing. Jesus says to Martha, hey, listen, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. And, and you might, I don't exactly know what Jesus means. It, it might mean he's saying, listen, I'm not going to go in there and tell her to come here. I'm not going to do that. But he doesn't say, I'm not going to take it from her. He says, it's not going to be taken from her. And I think what Jesus is, is, is saying is that she's chosen better. What she is investing in sitting at my feet and prioritizing that, which she will reap the rewards of that. The rewards cannot be taken away from her. That is a wise investment that will bring a return. Jesus is saying she has chosen what is better. So you know what? The reason I'm going here is because we lead busy lives, don't we? Does, does anybody in here feel busy? Nobody? I'm out of here. This, does nobody, you feel, has anybody in the last two weeks when, when someone asked how you do and said, it's, I'm really busy? I mean, we all feel, if we all feel busy, I mean, I think part of us feels like we need to be busy. It's almost like we'd be embarrassed if we couldn't say, like, oh, we're so busy, or maybe it's a badge of honor that we're so busy. Um, but I think genuinely, we just, we're wrestling in our lives with many demands, many responsibilities, many activities that are pulling us in different directions, many aspirations and goals and things we're pursuing in our life. We feel busy, and because of that, we have to make choices and to make proper choices, we have to have priorities to make the right choices, Jesus says. So in our busy lives, at times, something has to give. Right? That's what a choice is. That's what a choice is. Something has to give way to something else. How do you decide what gives? You know, I think it's, it's easy to be like Martha here, to get distracted, to let the, um, 
to let the good things crowd out the best thing, which is fellowship, investing in that relationship with Christ, sitting at his feet, being taught by him. We get distracted and we, I think sometimes as Christians, not even intentionally so, we, we find ourselves squeezing the stem. And what gives in our life sometimes is fellowship with Christ. I read a story, I don't know if it's true, but it, it said that years ago in the, uh, the jungles of Africa, a traveler was making a long trek and they had uh, got some natives of the area to help carry the loads. The first day they marched very quickly and they went a long ways. The traveler had high hopes of a, a speedy journey, but the second day, these tribesmen refused to move. For some strange reason, they just sat and rested. When asked about the reason for this strange behavior, the traveler was informed that they had gone too fast the first day and that they were now waiting for the, their souls to catch up with their bodies. Uh, okay. Men, you can use that. I'm going to use that this afternoon, actually. When I have my feet up watching the Vikings game and my wife wants me to help <laughs> I would, hon, but I gotta let my soul catch up with my body. Um, you know how it is. That interesting. Um, the, the the point was, don't get ahead of your soul. The health of every area of your life flows through the health of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Right? Don't get ahead of your soul. There, there come times like we see in this story where tasks, certain responsibilities, certain things we've taken on need to be suspended or even need to be kind of removed from life so that fellowship can be maintained for the good of every part. Good things, good things, but good things that can crowd out the best thing. For, for Martha, it was serving. It was a good thing. It was a good thing, but Jesus said, don't, don't, don't squeeze out fellowship with me for the sake of even serving. You know, um, this I don't think was just a one-off event in, in Mary's life, in Martha's life, because in, in uh, John chapter 12, we get a similar little story which shows us that for Mary, this was just a, a pattern of, this was a lifestyle. The prioritizing of fellowship with Jesus Christ um, you see this in John chapter 12. Don't turn there. I'm not going to read every word, but we find that Jesus has come back to Bethany, back to the same house, and a dinner was given in the same house, and Jesus' honor, we're told that Martha served. There we go again, Martha served. While Lazarus, the brother, was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary, the same Mary, took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the, frag the fragrance of the perfume. Now one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, objected to this and said, um, uh, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a, a whole year's wages. And he grumbles. And what does Jesus say? He says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. Now maybe you've read that and you thought, what in the world is going on there? And I think it's the exact same thing. He's saying, Mary has chosen what is better, right? 
Serving the poor is good. Ministry is good. All these other things, they're good, but not at the expense of the best. The thing which fuels the rest. Mary has chosen what is better. Why? Why is it so important that we choose, like Mary, what is better? Why at times do we need to suspend other good activity for the sake of fellowship that it might be maintained? Well, it's because uh, distracted living leads to anxious living. That's what we're told. We're told by Jesus in verse 41, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. So, so this wasn't just this task. This was the way she was living. I can see that you're worried and upset about many things. Distracted living leads to anxious living. When life loses focus on the one thing, when it loses that order, when you are distracted from the best, it leads to anxiousness. Jesus says, focus on the one. Um, I thought of, as I was thinking about this, oh, here we go. You know what this is? Can you remember back to science class? This is the solar system. Do you know what's at the, at the middle of the solar system? The sun. And then we have all these planets, and they orbit in, order, in an ordered way around um, the sun. Now, what would happen if you took the sun out of the middle? Right? Yeah, yeah darkness. Yeah, that would be one thing. There'd be no light, I suppose. Yeah, if you took the sun out of the middle, what would happen to the other planets? You'd be dead pretty quick. Right? Everything would fall out of orbit and alignment because it's the fact that there's something as big and substantial at the, as the sun at the center that allows all those other parts to move together in rhythm, in their proper place. You take the sun out of, the, out of that and you put something smaller than that in the middle. You take Venus, you take Saturn, you swap them, you put that in the middle. You have chaos. You have chaos. You need that one big body right in the middle to give everything order and proper alignment. And Jesus is saying it's no different with you. It matters all what's at the center of your life what everything else is orbiting around. And he says what should be at the center of your life is fellowship with me. The priority of God, uh, the priority of fellowship with God, he says, is to be the one thing at the center that allows everything else to move together in order. What's at the center of your life? Now, don't say Jesus too fast because you're here. So I know that Jesus is in there somewhere, right? I assume. But, but would you say, like, if, if, if an alien came down from outer space and just followed you around and looked at your life, what would you say would be at the center? What is it that all the other bodies revolve around? Is, is, is that thing Jesus at the center or is... Or is Jesus one of those things orbiting around something else? I mean, we don't often consciously choose to move Jesus out of the center, fellowship with him. 
It is a priority of our life. We don't, we don't say, enough with that. I'm doing this. No, I think it's little by little. We just, it's so easy in the busyness of life just to get distracted by all the demands, all the responsibilities, and little by little, that thing that ought to be at the center kind of gets moved. Off center. Right? It can be many things. Um, I think for a lot of young families here, I'm in that boat with young kids, it can be kids' activities. Right? Hockey practice and recital and this, all this good activity and everything gets built around this. And if I, if I got time for that, great. Maybe it's advancing your career. You know, I've, I've, I've met people that... Um, Well, you know, like once in a while I'll have a conversation and I'll say, you should really be in a life group. Have you ever thought about being in a life group? You know, getting together with other believers and just studying together, shaping one another. And they say, oh, I'd love to be in a life group. I just don't have the time. Um, Life is just so busy. I'd love it. But I just say, oh, yeah, what do you have going on? Oh, yeah, I have this job and then I, I work that other job. And I go, oh, you have another job. Okay. So why do you have two jobs? Well, you know, I... I've got, I've got this goal. You know, I, I want to, we're, 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 we want to pay down the house in 10 years and, and then I've, I've, I've got these goals and then ambitions and aspirations. We want to be retired at this date so I'm just working hard because that's the goal. I'm thinking, oh, okay. We all have choices to make, right? We all have choices. And I would say, listen, choose what is better. If, if you are too busy in your life to, to make, uh, well, I, I, I don't want to like, yeah, I do want to guilt people. That's a lie. I do want to guilt people. But not really. I want to say, I want to inspire you. I want to inspire you. And I want, you know, we really encourage people in, into life groups, but just to make fellowship with Jesus a priority. And I would say to anybody, if you are too busy to make that an important part of your life, then you're too busy. You're too busy to your own harm. The thing that ought to be on center is not on center and that's going to lead to all these other parts going places they ought not to go. Many of us, we just need to declutter and recenter. So I mean, I would encourage anybody to, if you'd answer that question, boy, how are you doing? And you'd answer, I'm busy. Think of your own life. Would it be more accurate to replace the word busy with distracted? Would that be accurate? Many of us need to declutter and recenter and choose what is best. And so, what does that look like in your life? You know, to be a Mary, to be a Mary to treasure up all of these things and to ponder these things. What, it would, what it would it look like to be the other Mary that would have to say to this over here, dishes, you're just going to have to wait. Food, you're going to have to wait because there is something better that I'm choosing. Right? 
What it, would it look like in your life to make Jesus, to bring Jesus back to the center if he's not there? Many of us need to declutter and recenter. Jesus says only one thing is necessary. So listen, I've said a lot. I think I'm kind of boring some of you. Raise your hand if that's you. One, two, anyone up there? Three, I see that hand. Okay. That's more than one I have an altar call. That's okay. Just hear the words of Jesus, okay? Only one thing. And just, just put your name in there, okay? Like you're Martha. Jesus is talking to you. Okay, now put your name in there. Martha, Martha, only one thing is needed. If you get that thing, if you get me at the center, the life that will flow out of that will flow over into the other parts of your life and reap a great return, a great blessing. Choose like Mary, like the Marys these Christmas. Be very merry in the way, not just that you live your life this, in this busy season of the year, but come January and February and every day after that. What would it look like for you to be very merry in the way that you live your life? Let's pray. Would you stand with me and we'll pray together? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given yourself to us. You have come. You were born. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the dead, conquering death, and you have made a way for us to come into relationship with God. Lord, you have come and you have given us uh, a better center, something that that if we put you right in the middle of everything else, Lord, if the thing that which everything else revolves around, like we will just find great, great, great order and blessing in our life. Um, so Father, we want to have you at the center. So I, as we go from here, I just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord. If there's some way that we're, where, where we have moved you off center and there's something else that's taken your place, something else that maybe we've been choosing that we need to suspend, take a pause from, in order to recenter, in order to, to maintain fellowship with you, Father. I just would ask that you would just speak to each one of us, Father, and show us how we can put you at the very center of our lives for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.